Welcome to La Mezcla Latina, where we discuss all things music, culture, career, and lifestyle regarding the Latinx community. I'm your host, Dominica, and I can't wait to chat in this week's episode. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn more about La Mezcla Más Pura. Welcome back to another episode of La Mezcla Latina. Today I'm joined by Laura Martinez. And I think you go by Lau, right? So it's funny because growing up, I was always called Lauris. But I think when I went into like the whole, like, I'm just like a little bit older and like also just like working in like, uh, you know, like a corporate environment, it went from Lauris to Lau. Okay. But, <laughs> but you can call me Laura, Lau, Lauris, whatever you want. Okay. Well, I like that. Cause I feel like there's always different multiple, like, you know, nicknames, depending on who you're with. Right. Uh huh. Exactly. Right. And then just a little background about you. I'm just re- literally reading your bio. You're a university of Florida graduate currently working as a junior account manager at me too. And you have yes. passions. Uh, you're all passionate about things ranging from entertainment to digital media, but yes. do you want to, you know, elaborate on that? So everyone can get a little bit more a sense of who you are. Sure. So I did go to the University of Florida for my undergrad, Go Gators. Um, It was an incredible experience. I majored in marketing, um, which I'm sure maybe we'll touch on that a little bit, you know, later, maybe in the the podcast, but I majored in marketing. Um, It's been a a crazy journey getting to my current position as a junior account manager at Mitu, but it's been like a dream come true. Um, Along the way, I've kind of just like found passions of mine, and that includes like social media media, digital media. Um, and I mean, the entertainment piece like goes way, way, way back. So I'm part of a very musical family. I grew up singing and dancing and performing. And so I think in the back of my mind, if I wasn't going to be on Broadway, I wanted to do something with entertainment. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'll figure it out. That's so so cool. You don't hear that often. Mm -hmm. So it's, I don't know. That's, that's a little bit about my background. I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you just mentioned that you went to the University of Florida. And yes. so how was it? Because I'm assuming you lived in uh, Miami, right? Like that's where you grew up. Um, how was that, you know, being immersed in such a Latinx heavy city? Yeah. And then, and then trans, like going to, so it, for anyone who doesn't know, the University of Florida is located in Gainesville, which is central gotcha. Florida or like central Northern Florida. So you know, definitely uh, it was a big change because I think I grew up in like somewhat of a bubble. And I think that naturally, like you kind of gravitate towards people who are similar to you, whether it's Mm -hmm. culturally, whether it's, I don't know, like whether it's like your interests that you just find people who are similar to you. So going to the University of Florida, where there are quite literally like 60,000 undergrad students, you're exposed to so many different cultures and honestly, I loved it. I like, uh, I think it's very, very necessary for people to, it's obviously like being in your comfort zone is very nice, but you learn more about others and yourself when you are like somewhere that's yeah, larger in, in every sense of the word. So, um, you know, it's always tough, like change is tough, but I feel like whenever you're placed outside of your comfort zone, that's when you grow the most. And I feel like this was no exception. So I am, I loved my experience over there. Gainesville is somewhere that I never imagined I would live ever. And I loved it. So I'm very, very, very grateful. 
for I that. feel like that gives you such a new perspective to life, right? Like you can also, you know, incorporate that in so many new situations. And I feel like you probably brought that along in all your roles as well. Absolutely. I think like the main thing is sometimes we're so stubborn and what we think that we want, which is, I think that's fine. Like you should be very passionate and very like set in your ways about what you're passionate about. But also sometimes like, I feel like the universe finds the way to challenge you, your wants and like what you think you need in order to be happy. Um, and as I mentioned, like never did I expect, I, I pictured myself going to school in like New York city, right. Mm-hmm. Or like a huge city and NYU. Of course, uh-huh, like NYU. And so the world and life has other plans and you learn sometimes by like scraping your knees that you can be happy wherever like life leads you to. And it's all for a reason. I know that sounds like super cliche, but it's, it's honestly true. I still struggle with it, but it's very, very true. I feel like also once you're in that like situation, you kind of, you know, all these things that sound so cliche start to become such a redundant thing in your mind that you're like, nope, I remember hearing that for a reason. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and of course, like hindsight is 2020, right? Like Mm -hmm. looking back on it, I'm like, oh, that's why that happened. Or, oh, this is why this was good for me. But you know, in the moment, sometimes we struggle, (laughs) we struggle a little bit. Yeah. And I know you just mentioned that you went to school for marketing. So do you think all of your background, you know, not just performing in music and stuff, but I'm guessing the culture around you and everything kind of influenced you to want to follow that path? So that's a, that's a great question. Um, to be completely honest, like going, I, I was always very good at like school. Like I had great grades and all this stuff, but when it came to the choosing a career based on a major in like at school and college, that was really, really tough for me because I don't, so this is another thing and, and not to go off on like multiple tangents, but like my parents came from Colombia. So they had never gone through necessarily like the undergraduate process here in the States. And so um, obviously they're like hundred percent supportive, but I didn't really know what to expect. Right. I didn't really like know someone who had been through this process. So I think I had like multiple conversations with my parents going into school and kind of being like, not really sure about what I wanted to major in. Um, And I think ultimately like being the child of immigrants, like we a lot of times go through like, or go to like a safer choice, safer in the sense that like, maybe it's like more stable. Mm -hmm. So I just knew that I wanted to be creative somehow, but I also knew that like business is like, you know, pretty general knowledge and something that I could apply to anything. So I was like, okay, this might be like the perfect mix of like something creative, but then also something stable. Um, and it can be applied to, to anything that I'm passionate about. I remember my dad being like, listen, like, do whatever you want, but like find a way to incorporate business into it or like your, your degree. Um, so yeah, that was kind of how I got there. I honestly, like it was more like by process of elimination versus like, Oh, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. It was just kind of like, after like multiple like conversations and like introspection, that's kind of what I stuck to. So kind of like working backwards. Cause that, exactly. that was going to be my follow-up also. Cause I feel like a lot of the people that I talked to, um, a lot of their parents were like, you need to go into engineering or, you know, you need to be an architect. Right. And so like your story, just like mine, my parents really didn't push that much. Like obviously everyone wants their like, kid to be a doctor. Right. But like, it was never pushed. <laughs> and I was like, science is a no for me, bro. Like, sorry, dad, you know? And so yeah. I feel like 
like you mentioned, kind of having that support system is very, you know, helpful when you are making such a big decision, especially when it involves like thousands of dollars, you know? Absolutely. And, and it, you know, it was tough at times because I think there were a lot of times that I was like rebellious and in the sense of like school, like sometimes I was like, literally like, uh, like, uh, you know, education is so important to me and I'm so happy that I went through that, but there were a lot of times that I was like, okay, like, what is this going to be for at the end of it? Like, I really hope that this is worth it. Um, which obviously it is, but you know, sometimes in, in, in the midst of things, like you don't really see the other side. Um, but yeah, interesting enough. It's funny how you say, Oh, everyone wants to be a doctor and engineer. Like my father is an like an electronic engineer. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It's funny though, because my mom is more like go for what you're passionate about. And my father is more like a rational thinker, but thankfully I had kind of those both sides that balanced everything out. And it sounds like you were able to execute that in your career as well, right? Because you work with companies that are either, you know, with that creative component, but at the end of the day, it's a business, right? And so you have to be part of that. Exactly. Exactly. You, you hit the nail on the head. (laughs) <laughs> and so how did you navigate that, you know, finding internships and then, you know, you're early on in your career, like initially getting your first job. Like, do you think like you mentioned that process wasn't linear? And I feel like for a lot of people that are in PR, com, advertising, it's never really linear. So I feel like a lot of those things intertwine. So how was that, you know, for you, like navigating, especially like you mentioned, you know, having to do it by yourself because your parents were from Colombia? Yeah. So it was a very interesting and unique path because Uh, You know, I think that it really depends on the school that you go to that, you know, I feel like if you go to school, maybe in California, a lot of people are interested in the entertainment industry or maybe in New York. Like, I don't know, like it's just different. But at the University of Florida, at least my major, there weren't a lot of like entertainment industry opportunities. So I was surrounded by people who wanted to do consulting, who wanted to do finance, who wanted to do sales. And so quite literally, like my sophomore summer when everybody had their first internship, I almost, this is like, just, it's just funny, like looking back on it, but I had no idea what I was going to do my, that summer. And like, I was so unaccustomed to like not having things planned out that I think I reached a point. I was like, I'm going to go be a nanny in Europe and like, just figure out my life over there. Thankfully, like my mother was like, ha, absolutely. No, you are not. (laughs) And so what I did was I just started applying on LinkedIn to anything that seemed interesting to me. I literally would spend hours and hours on LinkedIn, which is, I literally, I love LinkedIn. It's, it's brought me so many opportunities. Like it's all at your fingertips. And so the first time, um, my first internship was with NBC Universal Telemundo. And it's actually a funny story how it came to be. I applied late and I didn't know this until after the internship ended, but the story was that my boss had already chosen, you know, the X amount of interns that were going to be a part of her team. And one of them declined an offer. And so she said, okay, bring me the next batch of resumes. And she saw mine and she loved it. And so she gave me that opportunity and that internship, like quite literally changed my life because it was entertainment. It was my first exposure into like digital media being like, you know, digitally savvy as, as a career and just really opened my eyes. And I was like, it was the first time I think in my adult life, cause like you're like 19 at this point, but in my adult life where I was like, oh my God, like, I think I know what I want to do forever and ever, which was just 
incredible. So that was, that was, I mean, the first of like, then, you know, the rest of my internships, but, um, that was how I landed my first, that's how like my path kind of started. Yeah. You had that aha moment, right. That you were like, okay, I know what I want to do. Absolutely. And it's, it's an aha moment mixed with, I think like luck, there's this like saying again, very cliche, but it's like, luck is like a mix of when opportunity meets hard work. Mm -hmm. And I think I just was really, I showed my passion in my, um, interview. It was like a a virtual interview. I wasn't even speaking to someone. And I was like, you know what? Like I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to I'm going to do this interview and it, and it worked out. And so it's, it's a ha moment plus like luck that I think has been a reoccurring theme throughout my career thus far. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like the more that I connect with people, like you said, like through uh, LinkedIn, like networking, a lot of them say like, you know, there's a point where you can throw your resume into this like black hole, but it's up to you to make it happen. And, you know, it's luck, but it's also literally hard work. You know, you just have to, waiting for for someone to like actually just get back to you absolutely and it's it's being okay with rejection it's being secure in yourself and I learned like I learned this from I was part of this program called management leadership of tomorrow I believe that that's it's MLT um and it's a program for minorities to um basically get exposure to like leading organizations and and to kind of like fill in those spots with like people from like minority communities. And my mentor, my coach within that program would always harp on like being scrappy. Right. And that stuck with me so much because it's, it's exactly what you say. It's like, you can have a polished resume and you can have, you can be perfect on paper, but what's going to get you that job is going that extra mile doing maybe the unexpected um, and like making people remember you one way or another. Yeah. And like standing out. And I feel like in any step of life, that's really like important advice to carry. Um, and I know you just mentioned Telemundo and I, now you're working at Mitu. Do you think it was important for you to apply to roles that kind of encompass like the Latinx community or would you have been like totally okay just doing, I don't know, like MTV rap, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that being Colombiana and being a 200 percenter, which is what we call when you're a hundred percent American and a hundred percent like Hispanic or Latina or, you know, whatever you, you identify as or, or what you are. Um, it was so important to have that first experience personally for me, because I learned so much about the importance of the Latinx community when it like when we apply to like the entertainment industry, like the media industry and like how important of a group we are. And so having that, like, it's just like really, really valuable information that I can then carry on to whatever job that I go to. And I'm like, Hey, like we're very important. Like, look at how much, look at our buying power. Look at how much like money we spend going to the movies or buying movies or listening to music or, you know, like just statistics that are important to know, especially because I am Latina. Um, so I think I would have been fine really going into like something that's not like Latin focused, but I'm really grateful that I did because, the best person to represent your community is, is like someone who's in it. So. Yeah. yeah. And I know this is probably like literally picking back off that, but do you think that has given you kind of more of a, I guess a, a foot up or a leg up now that you're in me too? Um, because now you are able to have that representation, you know, shown because you are part of the community. 
Well, I think the beautiful thing about working at Me Too is that quite literally like 99% of the employees are Hispanic, Latinx, like it's so it's really beautiful because it's just a lot of us working for our community. Um, but it did help me like definitely when when I was interviewing and like showing that I was passionate, I remember one of the questions was like, okay, but why me too? And I, my answer was, it was just very natural. And I was like, because I am your audience and like, I know what we're looking for and what we want to consume. And I care about this community. So it's like, why not me too? You know? Yeah. Like why not me being part of that? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like one thing that I really admire from you is that you were able, I'm, well, I guess this is me assuming you're an only child, right? No, so no. I'm not. No, the oldest? I'm the oldest. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm the oldest. It's funny that you say that. I'm not an only child. So I have three brothers. My parents are actually divorced. My father remarried. Um, he had, I have two half brothers, but they're my brothers. Like, right. I don't refer to them as my half brothers. And then I have my brother from like my mom and my dad. Um, but I, but I'm the oldest and I'm the oldest, like by a good amount. Like my, my brother, like born after me is five years younger than me. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, but honestly, like I like being the oldest and I would rather it have been me to figure it out with my parents. And now like my younger brothers having like more of an understanding, like I love being able to teach them. So I'm okay with it, but yeah, I'm definitely not an only child, but I am the oldest. (laughs) Okay. So you were like the one that was pioneering everything. Yes. You could say that. (laughs) (laughs) Cause that was going to be like my follow-up question that I really like how you, you were able to find this path on your own because I feel like sometimes it's so difficult to do so, especially with people that aren't familiar with, you know, the landscape or how the process goes. Right. Cause you know, interviewing for a job in the States is so different than from back home. Right. And and even applying for school, like you mentioned. So I feel like navigating that space can be scary, but it sounds like you made it work. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I definitely I'm very stubborn when it comes to like what I'm passionate about. And I see that's the beautiful thing. Like, okay, sometimes comparison is very, very tough. And like if you let it affect you negatively. But I remember for me, it was like I see these people like accomplishing things. And for me, it was almost like if they can do it so can I. So that's what really like pushed me. Like you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. You'll be fine. Yeah. And do you have any advice for people that one, want to get internships in something related to entertainment space or, you know, are navigating something along the lines of like your path? Um, Do you have anything that you would like to share? Yeah. um, So I think it's like something that we've touched on already, um, which is the power of like networking and making like personal connections and organic connections, not like reaching out to someone to just like, just ask for a job or, you know what I mean? And, and that's like, just like something that maybe you learn in school. It's just like, you just have to be professional about it, but like people are very, very willing and open to have a conversation with you. And, um, I was actually, uh, during COVID I was unemployed and that was what got me through that was like being able to have conversations with people, people like being willing to have a conversation with me. So I think like my advice is to, to do your research, like look for people that like have a career path that you would want to also embody and like, just talk to them. I'm sure like they'd be happy to do so. Another thing is there are a lot of programs, a lot of times within your universities that maybe you don't even know about. Like, for example, for me, MLT was a huge reason 
if not the core reason as to why I was able to land my internship with the Walt Disney Company and live in LA for three months, which was awesome. So just, just doing research, like just don't like let, I don't know, don't let just like things pass by and, and then look back and be like, oh, I wish I would have known about that. Or I wish I would have known about this. But yeah. honestly, even the reason why I found out about MLT was because of a couple of my older like friends at school. So it really is about those connections and, and making connections with people with similar interests to you because they, they probably know maybe things that you don't. And just like researching, I know yes. I talked yeah. to um, a group of like high school students. This was a couple months back, like probably the end of 2020. And mm-hmm. a lot of them said that they were afraid to apply to internships that, you know, they they qualified for that were high school because um, they didn't have that knowledge. Right. But at the same time, it's like you're so early on in your career, you're so young, like you're not going to know everything. And I feel like a lot of people this is another cliche. It's like you missed all the chances that you don't shoot for. Right. And so like you you really don't know what could happen. Just might as well send it in. A hundred percent. And I, I don't know if this necessarily applies because I know that they're in high school, but I think a lot of times when you're looking at a job ac- application, if you know how to do every single thing on that list, like you should probably be applying to maybe like, not like a more difficult job, but like maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I feel like that list, when you read it, it's like what you should aspire to be able to do. You don't have to check all of that off. That's like what, what you're going to be there. I mean, don't go in obviously like not knowing anything unless again, you're high school, it's, it's different, but yeah, I just think that sometimes those, those lists of like job descriptions are, can be like, can deter you from applying when, when they shouldn't, it's like what you say, like you, you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Yeah. And I feel like also a lot of the times employers, we look at them like these like strict rigid people, but you know, speaking from experience, people are like, Hey, as long as you can do X, Y, Z, like, I don't care. We'll teach you the rest. Right. And so, yes. yes. And as long as you're, you're like willing to learn, you know, that's, that's why I think like interviews are so important. And it's like, I remember when I was unemployed or when I was like about to graduate, I, I would say like, I wish I I could just get an interview. Like, I wish I could just have a conversation with them. And then, you know, I think that I would be able to change their mind because you are not your resume. You're so much more than that. So I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, kind of sheltering people to numbers because that's how you stand out is so difficult because a personality says so much more than that. And um, I guess my next question for that is, do you think that in your current role, you had a lot of challenges that you didn't foresee coming? Because I feel like a lot of the times people that want to get into the entertainment space think it's this fun, glamorous thing. And then it's like, no, you have to work overtime. You have to do all of this stuff, right? Yeah, I mean- it's funny. I feel like I kind of looked at it like in in a different way, just because I think personally, like I love to work like sometimes a little bit more than I should. Like, I, <laughs> like it'll be like 9 p.m. and I'll be working and I'm like, I should not be doing this. But like I genuinely enjoy it. So I think for me, you know, internships. Um, had only just scratched the surface of what it could be. But now that I'm in the weeds of the business, mm-hmm. like I like that, you know, like I like to know how we're making money. I like to know the strategy behind it. So I guess it's like, it depends on, you know, what you're, what you like, but I don't know. I I've really, really enjoyed it. Like it's, it's more than, than maybe what I used to think in the past, like, oh, it's just like lights, camera action. It's like, it's really cool to be, to have this balance of like, this is so cool. I'm working with Netflix on this campaign and 
like also just like all the skills that go into like ex- executing a campaign from start to finish. So I've actually kind of enjoyed it. Yeah. And I think that all comes with experience, right? Because I feel like from the outside looking in, you don't even know, like, I remember being middle school, high school thinking like, oh, that's so cool. Like, yeah, I'll buy that product. But there was so much more that went behind that. And you learned that through school and experience. Yes, absolutely. It's crazy. There's there's a lot behind the scenes that you don't realize until you work in it for sure. Right. And I know we talk about work all the time, but everyone has to have their like creative outlet and stuff. So I was going to ask you about, you know, your future goals and future endeavors. But then I remember um, this is going to sound kind of stalkerish, but I do follow me through. And I saw that you were talking and I was like, OK, let me check this out. And you have your own like graphic design account or something. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so this is actually kind of a crazy story. So when I was unemployed during the pandemic, I quite literally was like, well, I have nothing to lose. And there is something that I've always wanted to do. And if there's going to be a moment where I have no more excuses because I'm busy or all like I'm no longer busy, it's right now. So I had always like wanted to start kind of this like micro blog, just like page where I could quite literally just like word vomit and talk about you know, similar experiences and things that like the Latina community can relate to. Like, Mm -hmm. I just like always had this in my mind and I did it. I I started like this, it's a micro blog or like Instagram page, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's called hustle con sazon. Um, and it was just a way where I was like, so, I mean, a moment when I was like, so full of anxiety and so much uncertainty, it was like the one thing that was like, kind of like there for me and that I could like express myself with. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if you want to know the crazy part, my first graphic was actually reposted by me too. And I saw that, like, I don't know, they were taking, like the company was taking interest in, in my page and the vice president, like of brand strategy and, and sales development, um, of me too followed my page. And I realized that because of LinkedIn. And so in that moment, I was like, oh my God, like this woman has such a cool background. Like she'd worked in entertainment her whole life. And like, I really just want to like talk to her. Like, I just need some inspiration right now because I'm unemployed. I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. And one thing led to another. She was like literally so nice, like was open to like just having like a cafecito chat with me. And that's actually how I landed my full-time role. Like uh, through that and through my blog. And it was just, it was very, very special to me because it was like the first time that I felt like because of something I created, like, you know, they found, they saw the value in that. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a crazy story, but sometimes out of like the scariest things come like the most beautiful blessings. So, yeah, I think that's a perfect like example of how you can't really expect things to just work out by, an application or things, you know, like I feel like a lot of people, yeah. especially like thinking about our generation who start their blogs or their vlogs and, you know, become TikTokers and, you know, all these opportunities come from literally nothing that was traditional back in the day. Yes. And I think it's also like, I feel like you can see a difference when people are doing it because, which no shame to this, like you do you, everybody has different goals. But when I started mine, it wasn't to get a job. It wasn't to make money. I mean, obviously if you can make a living off of like your passion or like a hobby of yours, like that's incredible. But I feel like when you're genuine and you're authentic with whatever content you're putting out there, it shines through. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. I feel like intent is always very visible and you know, my mom always says like, what's the saying it's in Spanish, but she's just like, 
be careful of like who you're you're putting yourself like in your circle because you can always like spot the the snake in the group, right? Uh, but also moms have such an incredible ability to do that. I'm like, maybe that's just something you develop as a mom because I do not have that yet. Yeah, my mom was like, hey, I know something. And I was like, that's my best friend. What do you mean? <laughs> I know, I know. No, mother knows best. Yeah, <laughs> so crazy. Um, but I guess just uh, one final question, and this is very broad, and you can answer it however you want. But what do you hope to see that the Latinx community develops into, or what you hope you know more representation or a lot, anything along those lines? You know, because I feel like for everyone, depending on their field, that is so such a broad question, right? And so I want to know how you would you would see that. Yeah. I mean, obviously I work in media and I work in entertainment. And a lot of times I think the focus is on like representation in like shows or in like stories, which I think is a thousand percent valid, but I want to see representation in like the people who are calling the shots on like what shows are going to be made and what stories are going to be told. Like, it's not even about like seeing like a Latino family on TV or on a show. Like, I mean, that's always like incredible, but it's like, what is really going to make more of an impact on our community? It's when like people of our community are taking up these like higher up positions. And, and, you know, so that's what I hope like to see in the future is that we can like be in those, I guess, like, I don't even know how you would say it. Like, no, I don't even want to say position of power. Cause that just sounds like yucky. But in, okay, I, I, in like a decision-making role, because that's the way we're, you know, we were just talking about authenticity and intent. So that's the way that we get real stories out there. And that's like the great thing, like, obviously not to like rant and rave about me too, but I really do value it because the reason why we're able to tell like these organic and real stories is because we're the ones behind the scenes. Like mm-hmm. it's so tough maybe for, I don't know, like someone making decisions that, you know, wants to portray a story that maybe they don't identify with. I'm not saying it's not possible, but that's definitely something that I would want to see in the future. And not just in entertainment, just like in like, in, in just like in companies in general, just seeing like people of minority communities, uh, uh, taking up these like decision-making roles. Yeah. Uh, and you just reminded me also of just like an example would be also in government, right? Like, I feel like a lot of it is just not the representation of what America looks like. And right. so that's a great, like, that's a great point. And I also feel like bringing it back to entertainment, like you said, I feel like, you know, if you're not part of the community, yeah, the stories might still get told, but there's going to be more barriers and more filters of what you can express and things like yeah, that. And maybe it doesn't like resonate as much. It's also like... If you see right now, like another example, it doesn't even have to be entertainment. Like you see like leaders in general, like for example, like this whole situation with COVID, right? Like Mm -hmm. leaders, their age right now, like they haven't necessarily like worked from home or like worked from a computer. So it's like, like the point I'm, maybe I'm not making any sense and I'm rambling, but the point is that like, it all starts at the top. Like it all starts from leadership. So that's where, you know, we need, these key players that are part of our communities, we need them there so they can bring in, you know, more people from our communities or, or you know, just make decisions that that benefit us and represent us. And, and I think it's like a trickle down effect. You yeah. Know? And at the end yeah. of the day, like if you're part of it, you get it. Right. And so I feel like that that's a great way to say that. Yeah. But I've really enjoyed our conversation at the end of every episode. I always ask everyone, one, what's their favorite Latin dish, especially if it's from your com- uh, your country. And I know you're from Colombia. You guys have such great food. And then also your favorite Latinx singer. 
So give it to me, girl. (laughs) Okay. These are great questions, but also very difficult questions. So um, my favorite Colombian dish, the first one that comes to mind because I really can't have it too often is a bandeja paisa. Mm. So my mom is from Medellin and they have bandeja paisas over there. And it's literally just like this massive bandeja, like which translates into tray. And it has like rice, arepas, frijoles, like carne molida, platanitos, an egg. And I don't know. It's just so delicious. It's massive. It's, it's massive. And it's just one of those that whenever I go to Colombia, it's like, it's like one of the first things that I eat. So that's, I think that has to be also my favorite dish kind of changes by the day, but today it's going to be on the half ice. And then Latinx artist, you said, right? Yeah. Singer, artist, or whatever you choose. So obviously I'm like very, very into music. So, um, I love one Natalia Lafourcade, who is a Mexican singer. I don't know if you've ever heard, but she is just like, absolutely just incredible. And then two, my guilty pleasure is Bad Bunny. I really oh, can't. Of I, course. I, I Benito. Can't. <laughs> yeah, Benito. Plus his last name is Martina. So like maybe we're like cousins and we just don't even know it. Or maybe the bloodline is there. And he doesn't know. So it's yeah. there. It's <laughs> for sure. At first it was Maluma, but I don't know. Bad Bunny came in and just like, he took know. over. He took over. He he, he said, over. I'm, this is my stage. Yes. <laughs> yes. So has to be him. <laughs> I love that. And do you want to share with everyone where they can follow you? They can follow your uh, hustle con sazon or, you sure. know, where they can keep up. Yeah, sure. So my Instagram, the micro blog that I mentioned uh, is at hustle con sazon. Um, I'm also on Instagram, like my personal Instagram. I don't really post on there as often, but like, go ahead and follow me if you want. It's Martinez V as in Valentine, because um, my mom's last name is Valencia. And uh, I mean, you can go ahead and reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's just Laura Martinez, like whatever. I'm always down to chat and to listen and to give advice or yeah. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so, this is so great. It was a wonderful way to to spend my Wednesday evening. So thank you so much. That's going to be it for today's episode. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please make sure you follow us on Instagram at Pod. That's P-O-D. And again, don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a new episode to learn more about La Mezcla Más Rica.